you're ready to take your leadership to the next level, you've come to the right place. Welcome to Upsize Your Leadership, the podcast about tapping your full potential as a leader. Your host and guide is Dr. Mike Armour. Dr. Mike has personally coached over 600 executives and managers, many of them at the top of America's largest corporations. If it's time to upsize your leadership, here's the man to show you how, Dr. Mike Armour. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Upsize Your Leadership, the podcast about enhancing your impact as a leader wherever you lead, whatever your role. I'm glad that you joined us today. I use these podcasts to share the same insights and recommendations which I offer daily to clients who turn to me for leadership coaching, executive mentoring, business consulting, or management training. You can learn more about me and the services I offer at leaderperfect.com. Today, I want to give you an opportunity to listen to an interview which I had recently with Daniel Ramsey, whose company is on the front line of helping business leaders navigate their way through the challenges brought on by the COVID-19 shutdown. His company, called My OutDesk, is a premier provider of virtual professionals, and the pandemic is accelerating the need for remote professionals to help businesses navigate the rough seas we are in. In this episode, Daniel talks about what he calls the CEO mindset, which leaders, business owners, and entrepreneurs need to manage their team at times like this when the entire team may be working remotely. He shares several stories from his customers and clients who have found creative ways to keep their companies vibrant even in the midst of the shutdown. And he discusses lessons which he himself has learned as he manages his own team remotely. Let me invite you to share the next 25 minutes with us as we delve into a variety of topics which will help you upsize your leadership. My guest today is Daniel Ramsey, who is CEO and co-founder of My OutDesk, a company that specializes in providing virtual assistance to managers and business owners across the nation. Before he began this company, he was in the real estate industry. So Daniel, let's begin by asking what it was that motivated you to leave real estate and to begin providing virtual assistance for those who could make use of their services. Well, Michael, thanks for having me first off. And, and uh, I know we've been going through some technical difficulties, <laughs> but I'm excited to be here and I'm excited to share about our story or hear, uh, tell your audience a little bit about our story. Um, I'm a real estate broker, developer, mortgage guy, um, flipped a lot of houses and sold thousands of homes. And really what happened, I mean, it's very simple. I had a need for my own business. We were, you know, we had three offices, lots of agents that worked for my company and I needed leverage. And as any good CEO, uh, I was on the hunt for talent, right? And a friend of mine said, Hey, Daniel, I heard you have these virtual assistants in the Philippines. 
I was like, yep. And he goes, could you get me some? And back then, virtual assistants, they, they weren't a thing. Nobody had really heard about them. This is back in 2007. And I said, absolutely, I can help you, but I've got to charge you something because it's kind of hard, you know? And, and really, that's how the business was uh, born. We're 13 years old. We've served over 6,000 leaders, C-suite folks, entrepreneurs across the U.S. and Canada. And, you know, what we do that's very specific is we just help people find leverage um, in their business. And, and we put them together with really great talent in the Philippines and uh, take advantage of, you know, the difference costs basically associated with living over there in that country versus living here in the U.S. or Canada. Is there such a thing as a typical client that you have? You know, we have some wild clients. I mean, I, we have a boat broker in Florida. We have an e-commerce company. We have a medical marijuana company. And it's really crazy the different um, styles and types. We have a property manager who, you know, he owns half a billion dollars of commercial real estate. So we, we have a very wide and diverse clientele. Um, but they all share one thing in common, which they wanted to get talent for their team or themselves. And they were very conscious are cost conscientious, meaning our folks are typically 60 to 70% of the actual cost of hiring employees. And so, you know, we help people save time, save money and grow their business. How has the pandemic and the changes in the way we do business impacted your business? Oh, whoa. Well, so that's a great and it's a huge question. Um, so first of all, we're a remote company. So we started remote. We don't have physical offices in the Philippines at all. And so all of our 6,000 people actually work on our remote platform. So we have a, a technology that allows our clients to kind of log in and see what their people are up to and track invoicing and all of that. So we've always been a remote company. So for us, you know, the only change has been really for me and our U.S. team because we have business consultants and marketing people and IT people and finance people who are physically in our California headquarters. So our U.S. team, we got the opportunity to work from home too, which is kind of a cool thing. Um, but yeah, I mean, alluding to your question, we had the worst month in our history in April because the whole world was shutting down, you know. Uh, even though we were in California and we shut down in March, March was still relatively a good month in terms of new client acquisitions and like, you know, customer satisfaction and all that. But April was the worst month in our history. And here we are at the end of June and we are 400% above our April numbers, which is crazy. Okay. What are you seeing happening with your customers? Was April a typical bad month for them? And what's happening across the country as you watch the uh, scenario surrounding your customers at present? You know, one of, the, one of my favorite things, because we, we serve such a wide, diverse group of clientele, one of my favorite things is watching the CEOs and the, the leaders who really do a great job of leading through a pandemic. And, that's, and we have a bunch of those. Uh, one, of, one of my favorite clients is a marketing firm and you know, they're a, a really big business and they immediately changed their value proposition. They immediately tripled, like not doubled the amount of value that they gave to their clients, but they tripled the amount of value, meaning giving, giving their clients more ad spots. Uh, they redid all of their actual advertising that they did for their clients and really kind of stepped up. And because they did that so quickly, 
um, they didn't they didn't have an impact in their business. So we got to watch the people who were scared calling us because you know we 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 have a lot of talent and a lot of diverse um, folks across the country. We had people who were scared because their their area was shut down and they were worried about whether they were going to have a business in six months. And then we got to saw this these other you know, group of clients who really doubled down on their value and, and brought more to the marketplace. And so it's been really fun to watch those two people kind of interact or those two groups of people. So you've been dealing with a lot of different mindsets. You've seen how people respond to crisis. What yeah. do you see as the key to having the kind of mindset that gets you through the unexpected, such as the kind that we're going through right now? It's a good question. Um, and, and my preference is to not talk about what we think you should do is I, I'm going to tell you exactly what we did, which was we believe in something called the CEO mindset. And we try to teach our clients or show them that, that pathway, which is we're all in business to sell something of value and nothing changes about a pandemic that that require that requirement of exchanging value for dollars that that still exists so in in this in the pandemic we were really focused on how do we add value to our clients in a way that we've never done it before so with the ppp and the eidl money and like all the tax changes we actually featured a cpa and and brought 1200 people through a webinar where we explain these three different programs and what the changes meant to their business and really attempted to add value as much as we possibly could to our existing clients. And, and the clients that we saw that really had a great mindset, that was their mind frame too. How can I shift my value proposition to be relevant in today's world? And, um, you know, now we're 90 days after, you know, most, most states shut, shut down. So we're seeing the fruit of that kind of intention right now in our business. What are the kinds of value propositions in your experience that seem to work? And what are the stabs at value propositions that really don't pan out? Oh my goodness. Uh, well, you know what the, the beauty is, I don't think it matters that whether it's good or bad and here, and, and I'm going to answer that question because we had a lot of our clients who were like, well, I don't know what to say to my clients. And then we had other clients who were like, well, I just started calling and talking to my clients and asking them if they were okay and if they needed anything. So the wildness was those in action, the people who took the bull by the horn, so to speak, because you're in Texas, I like to say Texas <laughs> stuff, right? Um, but the, the, our clients who just really drove to adapting to the new normal and really were talking with their clients, explaining what was going on in their business, and seeing if there was any way for them to add value. Those are the people who were successful. And, you know, value propositions, we have a cleaner client who is on the East Coast, and they clean office buildings. And, the, you know, so they, one of the things that they immediately shifted is they, they became a certified COVID-19 cleaner, right? Mm -hmm. So that people could come into the office and be successful. And they explained what they did and they explained how they did it. And, you know, while they lost some clients, they gained some new ones um, also because of that new value proposition that they put out in the market. So, you know, two things. One, be it, know what the market is doing at that particular time, you know, in the time frame that, that we were in. And then second, just stay in great, frequent communication with your clients. Those are the two things that we saw, you know, be the most effective throughout our client base. 
The thing that stood out to me the most as you talked about that is the difference between people who get preoccupied with self and people who stay focused on the customer, stay focused on others. Because yeah. the ones who get preoccupied with self are so caught up in whether or not the company can survive, whether or not they can pull it together. It, it's all an inward focus. Whereas you said there were some who instinctively at the very outset started thinking about others. And in that communication with others, they opened up doors they could have never thought about had they just sat back and, and meditated about it. You know, what's crazy. Uh, we helped many of our clients create a local guide. Um, and I'll give you an example in my city, you know, I didn't know which, you know, which parks were open for my girls. I didn't know which restaurants were going to stay open and which ones weren't. And so we helped our clients build what we called the local guide, mm -hmm. um, which was basically a what's going on in your city guide that you can send out to your clients. That, that was our first initial kind of value, value proposition shift that we helped our clients get through. The second one, which I really liked was a shelter in place guide, like how to actually go remote. If you were a business owner, guess what? Everybody in the world was figuring out you need a computer at home and you need a camera at home and you need a microphone and maybe you should have a banner like that. We've got a company banner if you're, you know, you're, you're listening to this, not watching us right now, but I have a big banner behind me in, in my background. And those are the kind of things that we gave to our clients. We gave them in Word and PDF files so they could come and customize them themselves and continue to communicate out with their client base and communicate value versus not communicate, bury your hand and, or bury your head and do nothing. And so we really fought that um, fear mentality and tried to replace it with action and positivity and, and acts of service. Well, and that action orientation I found is really critical in dealing with anxiety. Anxiety is best disarmed by taking some step. I know there are many times that I will wake up in the middle of the night with something that I'm preoccupied with. I just can't dismiss. I can't get back to sleep. I've discovered that if I get up and go to my desk and just spend a few minutes writing out a plan of action, even though I don't yeah. take anything, just writing out what I'm going to do tomorrow to take care of it, the anxiety begins to break up. So the yeah. key that you found was getting people moving forward allowed them to get into a better state of mind to recognize the opportunities that were coming along. Yeah. And I don't want to sugarcoat any of this because we have clients in New York and in New York, you know, it was against the law to even call your clients and solicit business. So I don't want to claim that we were, you know, we were doing anything that's different or better than anyone else. I mean, there are some real areas that were massively affected and, and, you know, those entrepreneurs really had to, like you said, think creatively, how can I serve my clients? What am I allowed to do? And so there was a lot of, um, there was absolutely a lot of uh, local issues that people had never had to deal with. I, myself, we didn't have a pandemic strategic plan. Like we did not have, you know, a disaster recovery plan specifically for a pandemic. Like we just weren't ready. Nobody was ready. So yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan. Zig Ziglar, I think said it best. If you can't take a large step today, take the biggest step you can, but start walking, you know? And right. so 
I, that that's what he's one of my favorite guys. So if we step back to this concept of the CEO mindset, yes. What are some other aspects of a CEO mindset that you continually encourage your customers, your clients to maintain? One thing, uh, one thing I want to talk a little bit about remote work. I mean, here, here's the reality. Um, prior to COVID-19, most CEOs or C-suite folks thought, well, I've got to have people right there in my office. I've got, I've got to keep, you know, I want to make sure I know what my people are doing. I want to know what's going on. And so I think COVID-19 has really helped us, you know, understand that you can be remote. You can completely work from anywhere. I'm at my home right now. My folks are not in my office. They've, we, we haven't been together in 90 days. I mean, literally imagine a team not seeing each other for 90 days. That, that, you know, last year, that would be unthinkable. So I think another piece of the CEO mindset is, is understanding that your people are going through diff difficult times. School's going to open next month. Guess what? We don't know what it's going to look like. <laughs> you know, you've got to have a little bit of flexibility and a little bit of a fore forethought in, okay, well, do my people need two monitors? Do they need a high cal uh, caliber camera at their desk? Do they need a pop-up banner? You know, do I need to give them flexible timeframes in order to get their job done? How often do I have to communicate with them? There are some challenges right now that are going on as C-suite and entrepreneurs and business owners we've never had to deal with. I mean, imagine if you're a, right now, if you're a server and you haven't had to work in 90 days because the government is sending you checks and you work at a nice restaurant and you come back and nobody's tipping. Like, is it worth it to get minimum wage and come back to work? And so if you're the manager of a restaurant chain and you have employees who rely on tips to supplement half or maybe 70% of your income and you realize those tips aren't coming in. And I know we're not in a, yeah. uh, we're not talking directly to, you know, franchise owners of restaurants, but it's a good point. And I some think of it, our, some of our listeners are, well, here's a great point, right? You know, everything that you took for granted before, every, you know, being with your team, knowing who they are, you have to adapt. And so part of the CEO mindset is understanding what's really going on for your people in their home, in their personal life, and, and realizing you got to make adjustments and make sure that they, you're, as the CEO, serving your people so they can go and serve your clients as well. So let me ask you something that is sort of self-serving here. Sure. I'm in the process of developing an online course on how to build high performance teams. Okay. And most of the team training and team building literature that's out there assumes a certain proximity of the mm -hmm. team members. Mm -hmm. Yet I've coached a number of executives who are the manager of an international team that they may not get in the same room together, but once a year, everything yep. is done remotely. In managing your own team remotely during this pandemic, what have you learned about team management that you did not know before until you faced this challenge of not seeing your people for 90 days? Yeah, I can tell you, I, I think the number one thing is just communication, communication, communication. There's something that's lost in not being in the same room with your people. And I, you know, the, the, the simple fact is I'm a hugger. I like to shake hands. You know, if you and I were in your office right now, we'd be shaking hands and laughing and, and having a good time. But when you take that away, 
the human touch and and being in the same room you have to add it back and i think one of the mistakes that people have is they they don't they're not in touch with their people as much as they need to be and they're not asking the right questions when they are so part of our process as a company being fully remote is our entire company gets together two times every single month and runs through an exercise over Zoom. And we break out, we break people out into these little Zoom rooms where they can all interact and, and play a game and solve a problem together. Then we pull people back together. You have to have ways of recognizing people and rewarding them in front of groups. You have to have ways of communicating. You have to have, you need to keep more, um, being remote forces you to document a whole heck of a lot more than if you're in an office. So what we do here at my outdesk, we help people take what we call tribal knowledge and document it. You know, like when, when you're all in an office, you could just call Sam over and say, hey, Sam, let me show you something on the computer. And this is how we do it here. But when you're remote and Sam maybe is in DC or Washington, like we have some of our folks, well, that isn't possible. Now you got to record videos. You got to create documented process flows. You've got to have a system that measures the result. So not only are you doing the activity, but it's ending in the result that you want it. So anybody can do a thing, a task, right? But is it getting the result from the doing? Mm -hmm. You know, that, that's the question. And that's what's got to be clarified in a remote environment. And most people just... Um, most people that have never worked in those scenarios, they lack the technology to actually right. systematize it or they lack uh, the process-based, you know, get it done kind of mentality where there's clarity for your people and a clear win at the end of the task. What you've described actually is very relevant to a completely different set of, of listeners that uh, are part mm. of this podcast community. And that's just the people who own small family owned businesses mm. because they are notorious for hoarding the tribal knowledge to the founder and one or two immediate family members. I was talking this morning to a potential client who's thinking of selling his company, but who's going to buy it if when he walks out, the tribal knowledge walks out with him. So the challenge well, is going to be doing the very thing you've said, getting things documented, getting things recorded, uh, creating a world that is turnkey for the next person coming in. Uh, mm. He happened to have a background in real estate investment, which you do too. Mm. And I use the example with him of the difference between buying a fixer upper, maybe you're going to flip and buying yep. a house that's walk in ready to put the furniture in place and start living in it. Uh, those people who are going to buy your company are not interested in buying a fixer upper. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's right. They're interested in buying something that can immediately start giving them an ROI. And uh, we often overlook that in our small business ventures. Yeah. And I would say, you know, that, that mentality exists even in the largest of corporations, specifically when there's a talented manager or C-suite person, right. there are times when they're like, well, there's this delicate balance of documenting everything so anybody could step in. Well, that would make my job irrelevant. Mm -hmm. I mean, what would I do if I told everybody, you know, what to, you know, how to do it and why it's important and gave them the, the scoreboard. One thing that we help everybody who hires us understand is that when you give your work away, 
meaning you fully document it, you put it into a system, and then you delegate that system to somebody else. What that allows you is time freedom, meaning right. now you get a couple hours of your day back for the rest of your career, maybe, maybe half of your day back. And the important thing is you go and you do something with that time to drive revenue and increase the profitability of your company. So we call it compound leverage, just like compound interest. If you get your time back and then you invest that time wisely, your company, you know, skyrockets, right? So we're consistently playing that, that balance between, okay, you know, you need, you need to stop doing that. You got to give it away and put it into a system and process and forget about it. Know that it's done because somebody reports to you once a week or every two weeks, but you get to focus on the most important stuff, the stuff that only you as a leader, CEO, entrepreneur, that only you can do. And there's a lot of those things in this world. And one of the things using the terminology that you just utilized is that it gives you a chance to move from being a manager to being a leader because you move out of the reactive mode of a manager who's answering questions, dealing with issues being thrown at you continually through the day to that leadership role in which you're defining vision, defining direction, and learning articulate ways in which you can communicate that and inspire others. Yep. And it's the best work out there. I mean, to be frank, when, you find, when you're showing somebody else how to win mm. and you're giving them the scorecard and they're improving their game and they're, they're, they're becoming leaders themselves, well, that's the most fulfilling work because you're really serving someone. You're helping them develop in their career. And that's kind of what, I mean, here at MyOutTest, we primarily help people in four different ways. Um, we have sales development reps, people who pound the phones all day, try to get new clients. We have administrative folks that can help you with the operations. We have marketing folks that can help you with your social media and your, you know, even this podcast that we're doing right now. We have folks who edit and turn the videos into little snippets and throw them out in the world, right? And then primarily customer service and kind of operations people. I like to call them director of traffic. They answer the phones, they do the customer support. And so those are the four primary areas that we help C-suite leaders, entrepreneurs, and business owners really find leverage so they can go focus on the most important things, which is growing their revenue and, and hopefully uh, having better lives. Well, then let's wrap up by you saying a word or two about how people who might utilize your service can make contact with you and explore what options uh, they have with you. Yeah, I'd love to give away a book. We wrote a book, Michael, like crazy enough. Before this whole pandemic happened, December of last year, we came out with a book. It's called Scaling Your Business with Virtual Professionals. So we teach people how to use our leverage to really grow and scale their business. And uh, for your audience, we can give away a copy of it. All you have to do is text this number, 31996. You text 31996 with this in the message. SVP. So Sam Victor Paul, scale with virtual professionals, Sam Victor Paul, that's in the message. And then the phone number is 31996. And you'll get a copy of our book. And uh, it took me 13 years to write the thing. And it's got all of our love and all of our tools and tricks and our systems and everything about hiring a virtual assistant to help you grow and scale uh, that you could imagine. So if you're interested in learning more, that's the best way to start. And for my listeners, I'll be sure that that information is included on our podcast page so that if you didn't 
get it down right now because you're busy driving and listening at the same time, you can go to the podcast page and find it. That'd Daniel, thank you for a tremendous interview. Uh, this is a unique moment in our history, and I think you've got a unique perspective on it. I want to wish you the best as uh, you press forward with your own company and as you bless the lives of others who are looking to what you provide to make the most of the potential that their companies uh, have as well. Thanks, Michael, for having me. This has been fun. Good. Have a great day, my friend. Thanks again for joining us today. If you would like to take advantage of Daniel's offer of his free book, you will find the information to request one on the page for this episode at leaderperfect.com slash podcast. If you go to that page and this episode is no longer the current one, simply follow the link to episodes and click on the podcast for July 7th, 2020. I look forward to visiting with you again soon. Until then, find some way every day to upsize your leadership. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>